Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Jane Darvel about chairing the board and boardroom dynamics. First, let me tell you about Jane. Jane is an independent non-executive director and currently serves as the chair of St Andrews Village Trust Incorporated. She's a member of the Electrical Workers Registration Board and the Cadastral Surveyors Licensing Board of New Zealand and she's an independent board member of Rowing New Zealand. She's also chaired three boards, which we'll draw on as part of the conversation today. Jane has held senior executive roles across a number of service industries, including banking and finance, health, entertainment and telecommunications. She has a background in product management, marketing and business planning and has a particular interest in customer experience. She is a member of the Institute of Directors in New Zealand and the Australian Institute of Company Directors. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Jane. Thank you, Helia. So, Jane, before we dig into boardroom dynamics and tips for chairing a board meeting... As always, I love to dig a little bit deeper about the person I'm having a conversation with. So I know you've lived in both New Zealand and Melbourne, and I know that your father held a public role. I'm wondering how that experience has influenced you and your governance practice. Yes, thank you. I think it has influenced me in the way that it put me into contact with many people from all different walks of life. And I think that is really useful, especially when you're in your younger years, because I think it helps you as you continue into your career later on in life and being able to interact with and connect to a really broad range of people. And which is much like the boardroom, really. Well, much like the boardroom should be, actually, now that I think of it. It's not always the way the boardroom actually is. It makes sense to have that broad spectrum and, indeed, your your background in customer experience as well, like being able to connect with 
either those people or those personas is key in these sorts of roles. Where did you grow up? So we uh, originally started out in New Zealand in a city called Hamilton and then we Mm. moved across to Melbourne. So, and that was really interesting for me because, you know, very large multicultural city. And then when did you go back to New Zealand? How long were you in Melbourne for? So I was in Melbourne. So I went to uh, secondary school and uni and worked in Melbourne. And Mm -hmm. I came back to New Zealand originally only to go back to uni. Uh Aha. And how long ago was that? That was quite some time ago now, I can tell you. (laughs) Quite a few decades ago. Right. So either you're doing a PhD that took decades or you decided to stay. (laughs) And what part of New Zealand are you in now? So I'm in Auckland. Fabulous. Well, thank you for giving us a bit of a, a window into literally where you've come from and where you are now. So let's now turn to you know, our topic for today, boardroom dynamics. Now, I I think you've got some stories that you might like to share with us about dealing with boardroom dynamics. And I think you've got some stories about both ends of the spectrum, if it is a spectrum, you know, toxic board members and at the other end, a board culture that's too nice. So too awful and too nice. Where should we start? The toxic end or the too nice end? Let's start with the toxic end. So here was a board where uh, particular individual members' behaviour changed from from being very much a devil's advocate to becoming argumentative, highly critical of other board members, including the chair and also of management. Now, they also, at the same time, started to try to interfere in operational means matters across Mm -hmm. that invisible line between governance and operational. And the chair at the time met with them privately a number of times and about their behaviour and asked them to desist and they refused, Mm. abjectly refused. And this led the, the rest of the board to become concerned that good staff and the management team would leave It also created issues with the board's own culture because this was a voluntary board and some Mm. board members were finding the behaviour and the impact of that behaviour so unpleasant that they were wondering why they should stay on board because it had become, rather than constructive and empowering and a real sense of achievement, to a real chore. And not particularly pleasant. So it ended up being a rather tense situation with an AGM coming up and the risk of the board member putting themselves up for re election. They were asked to stand down from re election. Again, they refused. And unfortunately, the board then had to invoke a clause in the constitution to remove them. That was an unprecedented step. And the vote was unanimous except for the individual concerned. Mm. And it took a good six months for the board culture to be restored to an open and constructive culture. And it took even longer for the level of trust 
to be restored between the board and management. And after the board and management had been able to move on from that, the organisation flourished. And I think the lesson there, Hilya, is that ego can have a devastating impact in the boardroom. And we need to be really careful when we're recruiting for new board members and really challenge or question the motive for serving. Yes. It's interesting. Like you don't often, as you say, unprecedented hear about a board member being removed. Before we get down that path, though, I'd love to know, for you, you weren't the chair of this board. You're a member of the board. You're observing all of this or part of all of this and feeling all of this. How was it for you as part of this? What were your conversations with the chair of the board, if any? What were your conversations with your colleagues on the board? How did you manage yourself in this as well as the board? I mean, I think, firstly, I would freely admit, Harriet, that I was one of the board members who didn't want to continue mm-hmm. because it was so unpleasant and it was yes. so hard. It made things so hard to get, to get anything done or achieved. And secondly, I really was concerned to support the chair because, you know, it's, a, it's an awful predicament for anyone to be in and the chair often bears the brunt of that. Equally, I'd been part of the panel who had recruited new management and they were doing extremely well at the time and I was very concerned about the risk that this would cause them to leave. So I think it it really changed the demeanour of the board, I would say. It became quite tense very difficult to get through agenda items. And it was also at a critical point in the organisation's history, if you like, where there was a lot of business turnaround happening in the background at the same time, and and it it did jeopardise that. And in as much detail as you're able to tell us, you know, getting to the point where there is a, a vote to remove this particular director, I'm guessing there was lots of conversations in the background between different board members, between the chair and different board members, between pretty much everyone, except, again, I'm guessing it may not be the case, but the chair spoke to this person to see if it could be a more constructive arrangement that wasn't successful. But how did you manage that? Because until that person's removed, you're all still part of the board, but there is all these different dynamics at play. How did the board manage it and how did you manage that for yourself? I think uh, what it highlighted to me is the amount of time and effort um, the sort Mm. of situation takes. And it becomes a massive distraction from Mm. the usual work that the board does. That's a negative impact that it creates. And I think the other thing is that you don't ever want a situation where board members are meaning to take sides, as it were, because the board needs to operate as a cohesive unit. Um, Mm. And it was unprecedented. There also needed to be legal advice being had in the background and so forth. And it really was an incredibly time-consuming and energy-consuming episode. And I think it was just a sense of utter relief once the board got past that. Yeah, I can well imagine that would be the case. In fact, I'm interested, you said it took about six months to come out the other end, essentially, just out of interest. How long did it take to go in? Again, it happened progressively over time. 
And in the interests of being supportive and having a diverse range of people on the board, it wasn't really dealt with until it became a very serious situation mm. because you always want to give the benefit of the doubt. You know, yes. and it could have been just a short-term issue. Yeah. The other thing that I pick up on in there is that, you know, whilst one of the lessons out of it is the role of ego of board directors within that, what I'm also interested to hear is that your board and your chair stepped up to it. You don't often hear of board members being removed. You actually don't always hear about chairs having very direct conversations with people that are negatively impacting the dynamics. And that's what I'm hearing happened here is that what is it you think that gave your board the impetus, the courage to do something rather than not do something? I think it was two things. I think it was the risk of losing really good management. That, that, that mm. was a major concern that was shared by all of the other board members. And yes. also it was the risk of it shattering the board as yeah. we knew it because everyone was on that board to do good things and to get the results that the organisation needed. And so there was a very positive and constructive culture. And I think it would be much more difficult to have to face into those types of really challenging issues if you didn't have that. And, you know, it's a, it's a key thing for boards to do, to look at those risks. So well done to you and the board. I can't imagine any of that was much fun. It's a good example of what sort of impact that sort of toxic behaviour can have on the group and I think more importantly what can be done about it. You know, stepping up to doing something about it is less of a risk than not doing anything about it. For sure. And I think if we look at the other extreme, then you go to the extreme of everyone is very nice, there is a culture of acceptance of whatever is put forward. There's a culture of fear of rocking the boat. So there is a culture of a lack of debate, including regarding major strategic decisions. And there's also a culture of not all board members' views being asked for or considered. So there's very much a culture of a few dominant players pretty much having most of the discussion and the other members feeling that the expectation is that they go along with what the dominant few have mm. said and that it's all about being nice and arriving at a decision rather than having a really robust and open discussion, including constructive viewpoints that are differing. In that instance, what did the board do? Or did, Were you the chair or were you a board member of this group? I was a board member. And I think where things kind of came to a head was that external influences required change. So they brought on change. And it became very difficult with this type of culture, that board, to change. You know, they had a long and proud history and a lot of the members were very long-serving. 
and there was a very strong resistance to change, which meant that they really struggled to adapt to any external change. And of course, the environment is changing all the time. That made it much more difficult for them and also meant that when they recruited newer board members onto their board, the board members really struggled with the lack of discussion and lack of input and you had a, a culture mismatch almost mm. that made it very challenging. And of course, as time went on, where you needed to replenish and replace board members, that made it more challenging rather than less challenging. And I think what happens there is if you have no culture of having an open and robust discussion and debate, then when the inevitable contentious or really unforeseen issues arise, it becomes very difficult to try and create that sort of culture very quickly. It's almost impossible to do that once you're once you're in uncharted territory. How did that board turn around? I mean, it, it sounds like there were some external catalysts that meant that there needed to be some change. How did it happen? They were fortunate to have previously engaged a governance consultant and they were brought in to facilitate some sessions. Mm -hmm. And really the culture of the board only came out in those facilitated sessions, which was fascinating. Fascinating to see the genesis of that, how it had come out and how, whilst it may have served the board well previously, that type of culture was no longer serving the board well now or likely to in the future. You know, I have heard of some boards that literally allocate somebody for board meetings to be the critic, essentially, to be that voice, just to ensure that the conversations are robust. So it's just so interesting in both of these examples, too much criticism, not enough criticism. And I I don't think criticism needs to be negative. You can be constructive criticism, but ensuring that there is that robustness. Hmm. Yeah, so I think, and that's what you're aiming for, isn't it? You're trying to find that middle ground where there's healthy debate. Yes. And and constructive debate. Yes. And none at all isn't a good place to be, and nor is having individual members who are just taking it too far and actually taking issue with anything and everything. Let's turn then to the chair's side of things because you're currently the chair of a board and you've been the chair of a number of boards. The chair is often key to the culture of the boardroom. What's your advice to chairs of boards or what have you learnt through your experience in terms of keeping that positive and constructive dynamics in the boardroom from the chair's perspective? I think it's very important to set clear expectations especially when you're bringing new board members onto the board and in terms of induction and so forth. And I also think it's important to be able to articulate your values and to be able to articulate what you perceive the culture of the board to be because the chair has a huge role to play in setting that culture. And I think as a chair, perhaps what we don't do enough of and should be doing more of is asking for feedback Mm. so I I think a lot of the agenda is taken up on items 
for noting and for decision and for discussion, for example. And perhaps we need to spend a little bit more time talking about how we're going as a board. You know, how's our governance going? Is it working well? And you could either do that as a group or you could have one-on-ones. You could have regular surveys, if you like. Or, But I think there's a lot to be said for checking in. Checking in, how are we going? Are our meetings long enough? Are they too short or are they far too long? Are we getting the information we need? Are we having the types of in-depth strategic discussions that we need to have? Are we putting the strategic items front and centre to ensure that we have adequate airtime for them? Or are they being kind of rushed through at the very bottom of the agenda and we're literally struggling for time because people have got to catch flights and so forth? And those check-ins then as chair... Are they individual? Is it keeping in touch with board members individually? Is it doing it in board meetings? Is it a combination of? What's your advice there? I think it's a combination of, and I think it very much depends on what works for a particular board, including individuals. And I think even in terms of evaluating your meeting, how did that go? Could we have spent more time on this than that? And also participation levels, you know, trying to draw out the quieter board members who often have deeply relevant and insightful comments to make. Yeah, so and very much generally acting as a conductor of an orchestra. Yes. (laughs) Are you a musician as well, Jane? I, years ago, I played the cello. (laughs) Um, But I I like going to hear the orchestra because they, unlike me, they play beautifully. Um, I do like that analogy because I think for me, it's it's about facilitating the meeting and making sure that everybody else has the opportunity to play their part and also contribute and get the very best out of all of that intelligence that is sitting around the table. I think it's a wonderful analogy. I love it. Um, These conversations go so super quickly. So I'm wondering, what are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? I think regularly asking for feedback from your fellow board members and committee chairs, et cetera, on what you could do better or what's working and what isn't working. Take the opportunity to regularly review your governance matters. You know, are you meeting too infrequently or too frequently? How are your board committees working for you? And Mm -hmm. so forth. And finally, I think a big one for me is learn, learn, learn. You know, take every opportunity to learn from others. And if you want to step up to chair, you know, take the opportunity. It's a fantastic learning experience. And everybody Mm -hmm. needs to start somewhere. It is a stretch, but I think it's a stretch that most people are able to deal with very ably indeed. And I'd really encourage any of your listeners who are thinking about that or perhaps have been offered a chair role to really step up. 
Oh, I love that. Yes. You know, everybody has to do something for the first time. And indeed, sometimes people doing it for the first time do bring a different way of doing things that is equally as valid as somebody who's done it for the decades. So I love that. Step up, say yes. I love it. Are there any resources you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Yes, there's some fantastic, I mean, there's there's webinars, there are courses, for example, that the AICD run on a regular mm. basis. They have a mentoring program. So, you know, I'd really encourage your listeners, again, to take advantage of those courses and webinars that are out there. There are some fantastic books. Brian Hayward's The Great Chair is one that I've read recently, and that is full of war stories and some great advice and suggestions on on how you can improve. There's a lot out there. And again, I would really encourage your listeners to to step up, to give it a go, you know, or why not consider taking on a deputy chair role as well? Yes. You know, there's so many options. Or even as we were talking about before we hit record, co-chairing, co-chairing a committee, co-chairing a board, taking it on with someone else as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so many options. Fantastic. Oh, Jane, thank you. Firstly, thank you so much for reaching out via LinkedIn, which is how this conversation came about. You sent me a message through LinkedIn about the podcast and and look at us, here we are now recording one of them. So thank you so much for reaching out and for taking the time today to share some of those stories. You know, we all will have experienced, maybe not quite to the degree of having to remove a board member, but some of those things in the boardroom and some of the wisdom that you have shared today will be very valuable for people who are also going through similar things. So thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing your wisdom with the Take On Board community today. Thank you so much, Harriet. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.